What's up, YA? How are we doing tonight? There's two mics, so I guess that God's pumped about this message. He just really, really wants me to say it. Um, hey, my name is Connor. How many people, first time here tonight? First time here? Look around. Hey, thanks for coming and joining us. Um, hey, can you look to your neighbor real quick? Give him a hug, a handshake, a high five. Let him know that you have prayed all week that you would get to sit by them, and God is so good because He answered your prayers. Now look to your other neighbor, the one that you neglected. Give him a compliment. Try to make it up. It's not going to seem sincere, but just try to do it anyway. Hey, before we get rolling, I have a special request of you guys. Um, Whether it's your first time here or if you're an OG here from the jump, I need you to pray for my wife and I. Um, We've recently added a member to our family. Um, His name is Mac, and I think there's a picture of him that's going to be coming up on the screen. Notice his dirt mustache. Um, He's rocking it. Um, Mac is awesome. He's an almost 11-week-old golden retriever. However, Mac clearly, and I mean clearly, does not know the Lord. Um, He discovered his voice at 2 o'clock in the morning about a week ago, and he hasn't stopped barking. Mac will literally eat anything um, that he sees. And he finds great joy in being walked outside and then coming right in and going to the bathroom. And so Mac needs Jesus. He needs your prayers. And so do me a favor and um, just pray for us. Also, you'll probably be seeing him around a lot. We might use him as a new Young Adults logo or something like that. Um, But hey... Tonight we are kicking off a new mini-series. We're kicking off a series entitled King. And maybe as you could tell by the intro, we kind of are getting this theme from the holiday season that is soon to be upon us, the Christmas season. How many people in here already have the tree up? They've got the lights going up. I know Ashley and Parking did this like in January. She's pumped for Christmas. Um, But we kind of base this off the idea that the king of the world Jesus would humble himself and come to earth, a little baby in a manger, like where animals sleep. He was so humble to come to bring the good news that there is peace, that there is love, that there is joy, and that there is a reconciled relationship with God Almighty, that whosoever wants to can come and receive the grace of our King and our Lord Jesus, a.k.a. the greatest news on planet Earth. And so we're going to jump right in. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to two different places, Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 17. How many people in here have your Bible? Raise your hand. Single people, great idea to bring your Bible. And here's why. Before you come in on Thursday, pick a spot, highlight it, mark it up, write notes. It doesn't even matter if you understand what's going on because there's a chance that you could be sitting next to the right person. And if you just open your Bible and act like you're reading it before like service starts, you might not have any clue what's going on, but if they see those highlights and those notes, they'll think to some degree they have their act together. So it's a good thing to bring your Bible to church. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to start, and I'm going to read from the message version tonight. Some people ask, what is the best translation of the Bible to read? What is the best version of the Bible to read? The one you actually read is the best translation of the Bible to read. 
The one that you'll actually dig into. How many people know the Holy Spirit can speak through any version, any translation of the Bible? But the one that you read, the one that you invest in is the best one, the best translation to choose. And so um, also shout out to uh, Eugene Peterson, by the way. He recently just went to be with the Lord and this man... Uh, I get to read from sort of his life's work. This man was so passionate about Jesus and about people getting to understand the Bible that he spent part of his life devoted to writing the message version. And I think it's so cool that we as a church can kind of get to use a tool that he was so passionate about so that everyone could understand and have access to God's Word. And so Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 35. And it says this, it says, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages, and he taught in their meeting places, and he reported kingdom news. And he healed their diseased bodies. He healed their bruised and their hurt lives. And when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. But how few workers on your knees and pray for people with harvest hands. And I love this because Jesus is all about action. He says, the prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. And Jesus, he called his 12 followers and he sent them into the ripe fields and he gave him the power to kick out evil spirits and then to tenderly care for the bruised and the hurt lives. And then it goes on to list the 12 disciples. And picking back up in verse 5, it says this, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin traveling to some far off place to try to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic and tackle some public enemy. Go to the lost and the confused people right in your neighborhood and tell them this, the kingdom is here. I love that. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. What do you do on a Thursday night? Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchable. Kick out demons. You have been treated generously by God. Therefore, live generously. Don't think you have to put on some fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment because guess what? You are the equipment that God wants to use. Luke chapter 17, we're going to read right off the bat. Here we go. It says this in verse 20. It says, Now Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. The kingdom of God was one of Jesus' biggest messages that the kingdom is here. And so they hear him talking about this and they say, Hey, when is this kingdom actually going to come? When are we going to be able to see it? When are we going to be able to feel it? And Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. You can't necessarily see it with your eyes. But he said, they'll say, see here, see there. But indeed, the kingdom of God is actually within you. And some translations would say the kingdom of God is already among you. And so tonight, the title of my message is simply this, the king and his kingdom. The king and his kingdom. Can we pray and we're going to get this thing rolling, all right? Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we're so thankful 
that you would give up your life to come for us. The Bible says, Jesus, that you lift the head of the weary, you mend the heart of the broken. You have come to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And so tonight, God, if you are not present, this is a game, this is a joke, this is weird. But if your spirit is here, then there's power to transform a life. There's power to turn depression into joy, anxiety into peace. There's power to bring people from death into life. And so tonight, God, I pray that as we sit to receive from you, you do what only you can do, which is change a life. And I pray that every single person in here would encounter Jesus and leave different than when they came. It's in your name we pray, God. Amen. Amen. Hey, so tonight I want to take the next two or three hours and talk to you guys. You think I'm joking. What if I actually did that? Everybody either be asleep or leave. Um, but I want to take the next couple minutes. I'm going to try to be quick to talk about the kingdom of God. And I truly believe from the bottom of my heart, from the, the deepest part of who I am, the most powerful and purposeful life a human being can live on this planet is one that is sold out on living on mission in alignment with the kingdom of God. Now, when I use this phrase kingdom or kingdom of God, I'm sure a lot of different images kind of come to mind. Jesus is in fact a king. He is the king. He is the king of kings. And as a king, Jesus literally has a kingdom. And I think a lot of times when we think of a kingdom, certain things come to mind like a castle or a moat or maybe dragons or little knights or um, I don't know, like whatever. And I think a lot of times when we hear this phrase kingdom of God, I think a lot of times we immediately think of heaven. Our mind immediately becomes associated with heaven and we think about the kingdom of God and, and we think of this, this area with clouds and angels and little fat babies flying around and, and maybe the pet we lost in third grade and we think about celebrities and apostles hugging each other, looking in Jesus' eyes, and Harambe's even there. He made it. But when we think of heaven, or when we think of the kingdom of God, I think we kind of have this misconception of what it is, and I think we kind of tend to start thinking about heaven, that it's a place that one day we'll be able to get to, one day we'll be able to attain. But I want to challenge that line of thinking tonight that maybe the kingdom of God isn't a place that we're all just waiting for one day. Maybe the kingdom of God isn't heaven necessarily. It's not this place that one day will come. Is heaven real? Absolutely. Is there a city in heaven prepared for us with God? Absolutely. Does Jesus have a kingdom? Yes. But I do not think this is what he is referencing when he talks about the kingdom of God. Maybe it's not a place that we're waiting for, but maybe... The kingdom of God is the power and the purpose of God on earth to see every single broken life healed and mended. What if the kingdom of God on this earth was our right as Christians to walk in the fullness of the power that the Holy Spirit has given us? What if the kingdom of God was actually the mission of the church to take the good news of Jesus Christ into every dark corner in the globe? What if that was what he meant when he said the kingdom of God? Because when I read the words of Jesus, 
The kingdom of God seems much less like a place that, that one day we're going to kind of go to or experience and much more like the power of God in operation right now to take the mission of the gospel to every single living, breathing human being regardless of race, creed, gender. That is what the kingdom of God is on this earth. Amen, Connor. That was awesome. Thank you so much. It's the ability to operate and to live within the heartbeat of God to his standards within a culture that rages against the things of God to have peace, love, joy, kindness, the fruits of the spirit as your foundation in this world when the rest of the world operates on hatred, judgment, uh, comparison. The kingdom of God is, is available now. And, and tonight, I want to share three thoughts. Normally, I try to weave a message into like a story, but I, I just have these three thoughts that are just drilled into my brain that I just want to share with you. I actually have about like 150 thoughts on this. And so if you want me to go two hours, I genuinely can. But I'm going to share the three biggest ones that I have concerning the kingdom of God. Are you guys ready? All right. This is for the three people that answered. First one, the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of observation. It is a kingdom of participation. I'm going to say that again. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of observation. It is a kingdom of participation. And the scripture that we read in Luke, these people, these Pharisees are coming up to Jesus and saying, hey, you are talking a big game about your kingdom. Where is it? When are we going to see it? When do we get to experience this kingdom that you're talking about? And I think with the best intentions, we kind of hear the same thing sort of in our vocabulary, in our, our church vernacular today. We, we say things like, Jesus, we want to see your kingdom come on earth. Or Jesus, we want to see heaven touch earth. We want to see heaven meet earth like a sloppy wet kiss or whatever the edited version of that song is. Now you guys are stone cold tonight. All right. But we use this vernacular of, God, we want to see your kingdom. And I love the way that Jesus responds to these questions. Where is your kingdom? When can we see it? When can we experience it? Because Jesus says this. He says, hey, the kingdom of God, it is not something that you're going to witness. It's not something that you're going to sit there and witness. It's not something that you get to watch from the sideline. Because if you're a Christian, he said the kingdom of God actually dwells inside of you. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you. It's among you. It's here right now. And it is your new mode of operation for this world. And it is mission number one for this world to get this kingdom into every corner, into every darkness, into every spot that needs hope. That is the kingdom of God. It is taking the news of Jesus to anyone and everyone who needs it. That is your mission. That is the operation. It's not something as Christians that we get to sit back and watch happen. It is something that we must get involved in to make happen. The kingdom of God is about participation. And we live in this cultural moment. We live in this, this thought, this, this weird time in culture where every single person is waiting for their moment. 
Every single person is waiting for their moment. We live with this hesitancy that we can't fully give ourselves to something. We can't fully get involved in something until it is our time, until we arrive, until we have our moment. Whatever we think is our perfect lane, whatever we think is our perfect calling, we can't get involved until we've walked into that. We have this this thing where we, we, we're waiting for our moment and in the process of waiting for some spectacular moment with this hesitancy mindset to get involved, we miss out on the supernatural moments that God puts in front of our face every single day with every single person we come into contact with. And this mindset of waiting for our moment. And, and you know, it's that how many people on Instagram just can't wait to get that little blue check mark. You know what I mean? Like to arrive, whatever your definition of arriving is. And this mindset has like made its way. I don't know what this is, but it's made its way into the church. But as Christians, we found a really cute way to package it. We found a really nice way to make it look nice and cute and spiritual. And we've called it this. We've called them seasons of hiding or seasons of development. I I would love to serve in church, but right now, me and Jesus, mm, we're in a season of hiding together. We're hiding together. Oh man, I would love so much to share my faith with my coworkers and my friends. You know I would. You know I would love to do that, but me and Jesus, I'm being developed right now. I'm being pro- I'm in the process with Jesus. I'm in the dark room and I'm hiding. I'm in a season of hiding with God. Uh, we call this thing a season of hiding or development. I would get involved with God's kingdom right now, but me and Jesus are hiding out together. Listen, I don't know when we ever got this idea that we get to pick and choose our seasons and also what our mission is during the season. Listen, there will be seasons of highs and the mission stays the same. There will be seasons of lows and the mission stays the same. You will have seasons of abundance and the mission will be the same. You will have moments of lack and low and the mission stays the same. God's mercy and his grace are different for our seasons, but the mission never changes. You want to know the one or two times there are moments of of hiding, seasons of hiding in the Bible. The two times there are appropriate seasons of hiding. Number one, and they're not even appropriate, when people were hiding from what God had called them to do, a.k.a. Jonah, didn't end well, got swallowed by a whale, spit up, and had to go do what God wanted him to do anyway. That's what hiding looked like. You say, no, but what about David? He hid in cliffs of rocks. That's because somebody was trying to murder him. (laughs) David's season of hiding was because somebody was throwing spears at him when he was trying to play music. David and Jesus just weren't kumbayaing out in the desert in the middle of Israel. Someone was after this dude's life. Seasons of hiding, listen, young adults, seasons of development, trust me, no matter what season you are in, God will develop you. You don't have to separate yourself, take yourself out of the picture, take yourself out of culture, take yourself out of your friend group. God will do what he wants to do with your life. You don't get to pick and choose the mission. God's grace is there for your season, but there is no real thing of a season of hiding. Listen, if you're in here and you're, you're in a season of hiding and you're waiting for your moment, you have had your moment. Listen, your moment was when Jesus hung on a cross, died and was put in a tomb, raised on the third day. That's the only moment you're ever going to need. 
You have had your moment. Praise God that somebody wasn't in a season of hiding when they talked to me about Jesus. I thank God that Sam Paul Hamus at VCU my freshman year wasn't in a season of development or a season of hiding when he offered to take me to a Bible study. When he said, hey, do you like basketball? Yeah, I love basketball. Let's go play basketball. Okay, awesome. Hey, are you hungry after basketball? Yeah, I'm hungry. Let's go. Let's sit and talk. Hey, what do you do? Oh, I, uh, I do this and that. I'm here to study this. What do you do? Oh, I do this. And also I'm involved in this Bible study. You should come. Jesus is real. He loves you and radically changed my life. I thank God every day that this guy, Sam, was not in a season of hiding with the Lord. Because I think a lot of times seasons of hiding turn into seasons of seclusion. And then seasons of seclusion turn into seasons of laziness. And then by the time you look up, people have moved on and God is constantly moving. And you don't want to miss out on what he's involved in. Praise God that nobody was in a season of hiding when they invited you to church. When they told you about Jesus. Praise God that nobody was taking time off, that they were participating and they weren't sitting on the sideline waiting for God to magically show up and perform some magic trick. They said, no, I'm going to put skin in the game. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to invite my neighbor. I'm going to invite my roommate. I'm going to invite my friend because this thing that Jesus has done for me is so real. It has changed me like nothing else could ever change me. I am a different person. I'm not going to go into hiding. I don't care what season I'm in. I'm on mission. That is the kingdom of God, and it is inside our hearts. God is saying, my kingdom is moving. It's moving, and you can't sit back and watch. You have to participate. I'm moving where there's darkness. I'm bringing light. Where there's pain, I'm bringing healing. When there's sexual obscurity and scars, I'm going to restore that. Where there's death, I'm going to speak life. I am on the move. Do you want to move with me? Because the kingdom of God is alive and well, and it is moving. And he said, this is not a kingdom you get to sit back and observe. Because it's among you. It's within you right now. My second thought on the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God, it's not so much about what God can do for you. But it's always about what God wants to accomplish through you. The kingdom of God is not about what God can do for you, although God wants to do amazing things for you. God says, ask of me and I will give you. But the kingdom of God comes alive in our heart when we say, God, I know you can do things for me, but I I don't care so much about that. God, I'm interested in what you can do through me. I honestly believe that we live in one of the most innovative and passionate generations our world will ever know. We are constantly innovating, and praise God, our innovations normally go to help lost, hurting, broken people. Maybe not, maybe not with Jesus at the center, but we are constantly thinking of ways to get water to people that don't have water, to get food to people that wouldn't have access to food. We live in one of the most generous and innovative generations our world will ever know. But I think There's a temptation to want to change the entire world. I I talk to so many people with the best intentions that want to change the world around them. They want to reach millions for for Jesus or reach millions, impact millions with this idea that they had. And in the process of chasing after the millions, we miss the one that God puts in front of our face every single day. There are people in here, myself included, that, that pray for a future with a bigger platform and more influence. And I think God is saying, okay, you want to have influence in a platform that reaches millions? What are you doing with the platform I have for you right now? 
Where, with the influence that I've given you, because please believe there are people that you know that I will never know. There are people that you know that Jess will never know. It is your influence. It is your platform right now that you are using that can reach those people. We have a heart to reach millions, and it's amazing, and I believe it comes from the heart of God. But let's not overlook the one and search for the million. And I think a lot of times it's easy for us to let ourselves off the hook and we say things like, man, I know somebody else, they'll give money to that homeless person on the side of the road. Somebody else will come and they'll give them a blanket. I don't have a blanket. All I've got to 20 and all I've got to 50 and I'm not trying to give them that. Who knows what they're going to do with it? We let ourselves off the hook by saying, hey, somebody else will give to our church sacrificially and generously. Somebody else will. Right now I'm a little tight. Somebody else will give. Somebody else will bring that word of encouragement. Somebody else will. I don't feel very encouraged myself today, so somebody else will bring that word of encouragement. Somebody else will have a timely word to speak life into somebody who on the inside is dying on the inside. We let ourselves off the hook because we wait for others to do what God is wanting to do through us right now. We are constantly waiting for other people to accomplish what God has asked us all to do. Listen, generosity, that is not a calling. Faithfulness, encouragement, building into somebody else's life, that is not a calling. Showing mercy is not a calling. Being gracious is not a calling. Being generous is not a calling. Brain surgery is a calling. Being a teacher, being a doctor is a calling. Being so smart that you can build a robot on earth that is now sitting on Mars. Shout out to Bernard Lee. He's up here playing. That is a calling. Being generous with your life is not a calling. It is time to take ownership and take initiative to treat every single person we come into contact with with the same grace, the same mercy, the same kindness that God has shown us. Listen, that is the heartbeat of God's kingdom. No off days. You wake up today, who can I speak life into? Who can I be generous to? Who can I encourage? How can I see the best in somebody? How can I say the best about somebody? How can I believe the best in somebody? That's the heartbeat of the kingdom of God to take this message of hope to the darkest places in the world and show people there is a real hope. There is real joy available. There is real peace available and it's within the kingdom of God. It's not about what God can do for us and do for us. It is about what God wants to accomplish through us. I love how Jesus puts it in this. In in Matthew, he says this, Don't begin by trying to travel to some far off place and try to convert all these unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by trying to tackle some public enemy. Why don't you just go to the lost and the confused people right in your own neighborhood and tell them this, Hey, great news. The kingdom of God is here. It's in me, and wherever I am, it goes. So it is here, right now, available for you. He says, bring health to the sick. I mean, I feel so challenged and so encouraged by this because, listen, I'm not exempt from this message. I'm preaching this to myself. There are times when I'm in Target or wherever at the gas station, and I don't even want to look at somebody else. And I'm saying the kingdom of God is generous in kindness. And Jesus is up in the bar. He says, wherever you go, go heal the sick. Somebody's sick, pray for them. Get them healed. 
If there's death surrounding an area, if somebody's, if there's death in someone's life, you speak life and the power of the Holy Spirit will come in and bring that thing to life. That's the kingdom. He says, touch the untouchable, kick out demons. You've been treated so generously. Open up your life and live generously. This is Jesus telling his disciples what it looks like for the kingdom of God that is inside of you to come out through you. This is Jesus telling his disciples, where there is sickness, we bring healing. Where there is an outcast, we say, welcome home, you belong here. Where there is darkness and demonic activity, you remind that thing. Listen, every knee bows at the name of Jesus and the King of Kings. You have no place here. It's time for you to get out. Where there's death, speak life and watch things grow. That's the kingdom of God. In our heart, we have been treated so generously by God. I think it's time if we want to see God's kingdom move, that we begin to live generously with our life. Band, you guys can make your way on up. I'm going to start my fifth or sixth close of the night. This is number one. My third and final thought on this kingdom of God inside our hearts, the heartbeat of God to this world. My third and final thought is this. We are the ones that God is using to carry the kingdom forward. We're the ones. We are the ones. Say, say, say I am the one that God is going to use to carry this thing forward. You're the one. You are the one. We are the ones. Matthew 10 says this. It says, don't think you have to put on some big fundraising campaign before you start to get involved in kingdom work. You don't need a lot of equipment. Listen, you are the equipment. You are the equipment. Thank you, front three. I'm, I'm leaning on you tonight. I'm leaning hard on you tonight. We are the ones that God is asking to participate in the movement of his kingdom. We are the ones that he's asking, hey, take my love and mercy to places it's never been before. We are the ones that should be on the lookout constantly for broken, hurting people and telling them, hey, don't worry, the kingdom of God is here and it's for you. We're the ones. We are the ones that God is going to use. And I know a lot of times we talk and we pray and I think this is accurate, but we say, God, we want to see a move of God. We want to see a move of your Holy Spirit. God, we want to see a move of your Holy Spirit. We want to see our friends come to know Jesus. God, move. And I think God is saying, okay, move then. You move. The kingdom of God is inside of you. If you want to see salvation, if you want to see your friends and family and loved ones experience salvation, move. Because the kingdom of God, all of heaven, the power of resurrection is behind you. Move. And take the kingdom where it needs to go, where it's not welcome yet. And watch things start to change. And I know what you might be thinking. Listen, Connor, I'm the only Christian at my school. I am literally the only one. I'm the only Christian in my family. I'm the only Christian at my job. I'm the only Christian within my friend circle. And I think God is saying to you, exactly. That's the point. That is the point. You are in that season of being the only one because you are the one that I want to use. You are the one that can go into that situation and bring life to your school, to a class that doesn't believe. You are the one to your family that thinks you are crazy. Guess what? You are the one 
to your friends that are just getting burnt out and, and just, just hung over constantly. Listen, you are the one to show them that there is something better. You are the one. God has you exactly where he wants you. If you're feeling lonely, guess what? You're probably on mission. I think a lot of times we kind of mis misinterpret what God is trying to do in our life. We say, God, I'm lonely. I don't have a lot of friends. God, you've put me at this job where nobody believes in you. And he's like, exactly, exactly. That's exactly where I want you to be. Don't leave. Don't give up. They need you. They need you because you have something on this inside of you that they don't have. You have life. You have peace. You have joy. They're dying inside. Go take my kingdom to where it's not right now. You are the one. Can we all stand together? I want to do something a little different, kind of close my message out a little differently than I normally would. Could you all take out your phones? And can we bring the house lights up a little bit? I want you to do me a favor. This might be corny or, or seem corny, but just appease me up here, okay? Take out your phone. House lights come up. I want you to get out your camera. And I know Nick Nelson did this on Sunday a couple weeks ago. I literally have it in my prayer journal. God gave this to me at 3 o'clock in the morning, like a week before Nick got here. So I'm claiming it. I have proof. I will. I'll post it on my Instagram or something. Take out your phone and take a picture of yourself. For real. Take a picture of yourself. If you got some friends or if you got a girl or a guy, you can include them. Now, hey. For real, keep that, picture, keep that picture on your phone. I want you to look at it for a minute. Everybody got their picture? Keep your phone open and stare at it for a minute. Look at yourself. For real, look at yourself. We can bring the house lights down. The person that you are staring at in your phone right now that is God's plan A to bring redemption to this world. The person that you are looking at in your phone right now is God's plan A to bring grace where there is no grace. It is God's plan A to bring mercy where there is no mercy. It is God's plan A to bring healing where there is no healing. Look at that person on your phone. Look at that person on your phone. You are the one. You are the one that God has chosen. You have been chosen by God. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood. That person that you're looking at on your phone, you are a holy nation. You are a chosen generation. Get this set aside. You are God's possession to declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and brought you into the light. You are the one that God has chosen to move his kingdom forward. You are the one that will bring mercy where there is no mercy. You will lift the head of the weary. You will mend the heart of the broken. You will declare that this is the year of the Lord's favor. You are the one. God, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Would you make this kingdom come alive in our heart and let us know Jesus that we are the ones that will take this forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.